0: i'm jason thomas welcome to the hardway mba where we empower ambitious corporate professionals that's you right with real world business knowledge we interview business leaders who are gracious enough to share their strategic insights and tactical activities to improve your business and career if you enjoy these interviews please spread the word because nothing says thank you as well as a referral to your friends and colleagues now let's dive in Welcome, welcome, folks. Jason Thomas with the Hardway MBA. Super excited to introduce you to Rob Scott. I think you guys, well, you're going to love this interview, I promise. No pressure, Rob. (laughs) Um, So I actually kind of went after Rob to do this interview in a different way than I ever had before. If you guys aren't familiar with the Art of Charm and some of the things those guys are doing on that podcast, you need to, as soon as we're done here, Go download their latest couple of episodes. I heard Rob and Jordan Harbinger talking on that podcast, and uh, some of the thoughts, some of the some of the things Rob was sharing just really struck a chord with me. I wanted to bring this message to you guys. So, Rob, can you can you introduce yourself, and I'll, I'll steal one from Jordan. Can you introduce yourself in a sentence? I'll give you a two,
1: maybe, but briefly. Sure. Yeah, I'm a I'm a coach who cures people of limiting beliefs. Yeah. So,
0: I've done. You know, after we got together on Twitter, um, I went back through as much of your stuff as I could find. Um, you did a phenomenal talk at Google, mm. which makes me a little bit jealous, and uh, and it was awesome. And one of the things that I, I heard in that research, I heard you say, is that humanity has a core problem, and it's the limit that we're putting on our current identity. Yeah.
1: Can you, you know, unpack that for us a little bit. Help us understand what that really means. Yeah, for sure. You know, identities is identity is really just this kind of story that we're carrying forward. And, and uh, the delusion is that it's much more permanent than we think it is. Yet, it's actually changing all the time. And an example of that would be your five year old self is no longer who you are today right and if you had a big breakup with somebody and it it broke some trust or whatever like that actually changes kind of our subconscious identity and our self-concept and what we think is safe and all that stuff you know to back up the core human problem may be even more broad than that it might be delusion itself and uh, what i mean by that is that at, at these different levels of consciousness that we see humans express at there's a very normal and natural kind of sense of Uh, Not really having a direct relationship with truth. We have a direct relationship with our interpretation of truth. And so what's actually going on there, I usually talk about this idea of lenses, which I'm happy to unpack for everybody. I think that's a really useful teaching. you know, if everybody could consider a lens, literally like a lens in your glasses or what's in a microscope mm-hmm. or a telescope, right? Um, you know, a lens is built to alter what we see in some way. And sometimes that's a huge advantage. It makes, you know, I wear glasses, so I have these corrective lenses that are a huge help to my life. Uh, but oftentimes they're, they, they uh, are a disadvantage, right? If you put on somebody else's glasses or you might have something, it could be a huge limit to your vision. Um, so, Lenses alter what we see, but there's mm-hmm. another quality of them that most people don't think about. Lenses are built to be invisible. They're built to be looked through, not looked at, right? And so. Our thoughts and our beliefs personally are just like that. They're all lenses. And the dramatic examples that I usually use uh, are, you know, Republican versus Democrat or uh, vegan versus paleo guy or, you know, Christianity versus Judaism versus, you know, Islam, whatever. Um, These are all different lenses that that people are looking through. And just like a good lens, they're built to be invisible. So whatever lens we take on feels like truth to us, right? Yeah and and so this the that's the core delusion right is that is that we're all looking through lenses that we can't really see uh we're looking through them because we've taken them on because we've been hurt we've been embarrassed we've been taught certain things you know um somebody grows up in a racist family that feels very normal that becomes their lens and they carry that until they decide to challenge it put it down etc and so to to wrap this back and and stop the babble you know, what what's happening to us is we're we're taking on these lenses that we don't know we're taking on, and many of them are incredibly limiting. Some of them are great assets to us, but many of them for people end up in these narratives of, you know, I'm never gonna make this money, or I can only have a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar house. Anything out of that's not normal. Um I can only make a hundred thousand dollars a year, anything beyond that feels unsafe and different and weird. These are all the lenses that we end up carrying and it's right. they're they're delusional.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we, and, you know, we all carry these lenses, whether we like this idea or not, whether we feel like we're self-actualizing or we feel like we're limiting ourselves, the yeah. lens is there, right? There's nothing you can do about that. So what do we do to take the lenses and make them more visible? I mean, yeah. I, mean, hell, I mean, is it possible? I guess one question I actually have is, is it possible to make them totally visible so we see all the lenses we have? I don't think we could pro- probably deal with that much information anyway.
1: Well, you know, we watch some people in in mental institutions have breakdowns because they're having a what's really a deframing of a lot of the lenses, right? They're they're uh-huh. seeing things and actually they're not being helped to put more proper, helpful, useful lenses back in. And so uh, they get they, they really become very unstable and unhealthy. So it can yeah. be really dangerous if you start messing with these in a, in a deep, unsafe way. Right. Um, you know, the reality is my company is called Fundamental Shift. And it's yeah. based on this idea that what's possible is you can have this shift in awareness where you become very aware of the lenses that you're carrying. And when you do that, when you actually move this sense of awareness, uh, a lot of kind of old stuff, things you've been carrying, uh, you know, old belief systems about how it has to be, they kind of fall away and, you know, everybody's had that moment where we've had an incredible idea that's just like a huge asset to us, like it's a game changer, right? Um, whether that, you know, we we've had a skill where we've like learned to drive or something, right? It's like it's this game changer that we take on. Well, even an idea right like anybody and i, I use the example of racism before like if a racist actually mm. wakes up from that and becomes not a racist like that's a huge almost like a spiritual event for that person it's like wait right. a second like i was carrying this thing and i don't have to there's a huge freedom in that so our what's possible for the normal human consciousness or mind is that we can develop a sense of awareness of these lenses that we carry and i call that the fundamental shift does Great. that make sense it yeah. does it does so
0: if uh so I'm gonna use myself as a as a, a little mini case study to make this very tangible for folks. One of the things I like yeah. to do is give people ways to uh really practice what we're preaching here. If people walk away from our conversation with a couple of things that they can put into practice tomorrow, then they'll be better for it. Yep. Um so you know, three, four, five years ago, I had a lot of the beliefs that you just ran through. I'm never going to have a house that's this big. I, you know, making more than a hundred thousand dollars is, is astronomical. I can't imagine that. Um, And and I could run down a, a big laundry list, but we can just talk about, um, you know, I'll never be the guy that, that dresses professional, like really not like GQ. I'll never yeah. be like GQ right dials dials in my style right yeah i mean this is this is not a very threatening thing and uh, so the whole audience can know this about me yeah (laughs) um and i so how do i first come to realize that this is a belief that i have
1: yeah and that it's actually limiting me that i actually you know i don't like that anymore yeah for sure so you know there's um there's two big roads I want to go down, and I want to be mindful of how much time we have to kind of talk about these things because they're really important. One that we can maybe put a, a, a pin in to come right back to is there's really three steps of this kind of waking up process, and I want to I want to make sure we have time to go through those, all right? Uh, but before that, to kind of frame that conversation, I want to talk about this idea of breaking up with truth, okay? Okay. Um, If I have a loser come to me, like a a self kind of professing, like, let's just say this, I have people come to me that argue that they're losers, right? They're like, they're like, Rob, you're not gonna be able to help me, this won't work, because I'm just a loser, right? And what that is, what I ultimately do for people is something called identity shifting. What's happening in this, when we when we take it as truth, these limits, it's affecting our identity, right? And it's kind of where we began this conversation that this limit of our identity. To change that, we have to change not only our conscious perception, but what's going on subconsciously for us, right? What's going on underneath uh, the hood if you will when we take our limits or these lenses or these delusions as truth right Um, We'll even argue for them. And so somebody comes to me and they'll say, you know, no, Rob, you don't understand. I was a loser in Little League. I lost in eighth grade. I lost the girlfriend. I lost the money. I lost like you
0: couldn't believe the clothes I wore as a kid. You couldn't believe the cowboy boots and hat and mullet
1: I used to have. I've never had a sense of style. I've never gotten this like, Rob, you don't get it. I'm just different. This will never work for me. Right. So if we accept that, we're accepting the lens. Right. That's what we're stepping into. So what we have to figure out is, is that limiting or not, right? And it, it only becomes limiting when our consciousness kind of goes like, "I that sucks. I don't like that about myself. Like it's holding me back. I'm bummed out about it, right? So if we can't see the lenses mentally, where we end up feeling them is in our state, right? What ends up happening is we get bummed out about it. We're depressed about it. We're anxious about it. We're upset because our state, our emotional state and our experience comes from the meaning making that happens in our head, comes from Experience coming in through those lenses, we make meaning, and that fires off limbic system stuff in our brain, and we all of a sudden get this emotional response. So in your very timid example, right, I usually (laughs) deal with bigger ones, but like with this style challenge, if that really becomes a bother, we have to go with, is it useful? to carry that truth forward, okay? And and the question that's most important is, is is this useful to me? Like, Is it helpful for me to believe about myself that my style is never gonna go? Because I don't care if it has evidence because if you're going to change, if you believe that change or progress or whatever is possible, you have to put that down because as long as you keep showing up, like I'm a loser or I have no style or I whatever, Um, then you're going to just carry the past right into the future and keep living into it right in your own choices and expression so if anybody comes to me i have to break them up with the truth so essentially i want people to like not care as much about truth or even things that have evidence because if we're going to change we need to begin to challenge those things right so it's useful over true that's what's important we start to think about the way we're talking to ourselves and the way we're thinking in our head and we start to ask the question is it useful to think this way and if it's not we we then decide what would be a more useful way to think okay so that's part of this awareness and then we yep. can go through the three steps so before I, we go yeah. to the
0: three steps there's something you said that uh i want to i want to hit on evidence is not relevant that's the that's the note yeah. i captured so you yeah. know evidence in the past is not relevant to the future correct so what's what's really interesting is i often say about uh, i don't know about people especially that if you want to know what they're going to do tom- tomorrow, look yeah. at what they did yesterday. Yeah, it'll tell you. Totally. Unless
1: they're willing to do something different to grow, to change, to do all that, right? Yep. Which requires escaping this very unconscious draw toward habit and consistency. Yep. Um, we'll do a quick side, a quick aside, right? Okay. Subconscious is not we have our conscious mind, which is very clearly we know all the marketing that says that our basic motivation structure is toward pleasure and away from pain. Right? Yeah. We've, it makes sense. Right. So yeah. we're trying to run away from the things that hurt, trying to go towards the things that are good in our subconscious mind. It's it's probably more accurate to talk in a way where the subconscious is trying to avoid pain and death and things that are scary and dangerous. But it's actually trying to move toward familiarity. It's actually not as interested in pleasure and all that. It really wants to go toward what it's already done and what has been safe. Okay, so this is this this much more powerful part of our brain is deeply interested in doing exactly what it did yesterday, as long as that didn't hurt or kill us. Right. So that's why even bad habits like persist so deeply. Even our conscious mind is fighting. Like, why do I keep doing this? Like I I say, I don't want the cake. And by noon, the cake is going toward my face. Why is that? Right. right. So it's because the subconscious says you're a guy that eats cake that worked yesterday. Let's keep doing it because it's really only trying to survive. And so any kind of change to the subconscious is a challenge. It's scary to do that. So, you know, we got to become aware of what these things are. So let me let me go through those three steps real quick. So we stuff that in for sure. Um, The first one is awareness. And if we're not aware, if we're just bebopping along like I'm a guy that's got bad style, you're now not looking for that lens, right? You're not becoming yeah. aware of it. So really tangibly, the way people can do this is right now they could grab a piece of paper and they could start writing down a list of what they think they might hear in their mind from time to time. Like, you know, I'm not enough or people don't like me or uh, I'll never make a lot of money or any of those things. Literally, just so kinda, this,
0: hey, Let me interrupt. Is this the like all that negative self-talk that mm-hmm. uh, nobody wants to acknowledge they have? Total inner critic that
1: never really shuts up, but nobody ever talks about exactly that. Guy? Yep. Okay. It's that it's that guy. Right. And so we're just we're literally just kind of deciding to have a dialogue with that a yep. little bit. Right. So it's instead of just having it in the background where we're avoiding it, but yet it's driving our feelings and our way of being and our choices. Yep. We're bringing it into awareness. Right. So step one is. Take a second and become aware of those. Like, what are you really wrestling with? OK, so let's say you get a list of I'm, um, I, I'm ugly. I have bad style. I'm not where I want to be financially and I don't feel I ever will be important distinction here you're not going to believe any of these 100% necessarily, right? right. These are these are these these might only be 1% true, right? But even if they're only 1% true for you, there's still bad software running around in the system, okay? And they're still going to hold you back. So I might have a thought at, at times that, like, I'm not popular, people don't like me, yeah. right? I don't really believe that. I've got tons of Facebook friends. I've got amazing people in my life, all that. But I might in a moment feel that and kind of go yep. through it. So in any case, we make that list. That's step one. And – Um, I often quote a story I heard from Tony Robbins once to kind of illustrate this for people, right, that awareness itself is curative. It it can certainly be curative. Okay, And the, the illustration that I heard Tony talk about was imagine being in a conference room and you're watching a speaker and there's 100 people there and tons of chairs everywhere and all that. And all of a sudden, all of the lights go out. There's no lights even coming in through the doors like it's pitch black and you hear a a voice over the loudspeaker go, everybody, please, you know, head toward the exit. Right. So imagine in the dark with tons of people and chairs everywhere in a room you're not that familiar with. You're trying to get toward the exit. How would that go down for you? Right. Well, maybe you'd go really slowly. Maybe you'd move toward the door, but you'd have to guess even where the door is. You might hit your leg. You might fall over. It could become a stampede all of a sudden halfway through this process the lights turn on all it is is we bring awareness to your surroundings with the lights coming back on and now you can navigate the chairs you can navigate the people right yep. awareness of these things themselves take away a little bit of the power they're no they're no longer in the background well step 2 is when you get to the door and there's a ton of chairs and you can't get through the door without affecting the stuff right awareness itself yep. isn't enough you have to start right. doing something with it so step 2 is to challenge these thoughts that we've written down all right so Step two is to have the confidence or the belief, don't love that word, but the the gumption, right, to to look at what you just wrote down and decide, I no longer want those to be true, right? To have right. the courage to challenge them and start to say, I, you know, I, maybe what's the version of me that does have great style? What's the version of me that is popular? What's the part of me that's like amazing or whatever, right? right. And then the third part of this is to replace that negative stuff. Okay. So the third step would be what is like, what's a different way that I might actually talk to myself here? What, what's a different way to kind of go through these. Right. And so, you know, I have bad style, we're not doing something like The Secret. We're not doing magical big stuff. We're not going, I'm yeah. a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire when I'm not, right? Because your right. subconscious is going to completely resist that. It's going to say, right. BS, no, you're not, right? That's not, that's not happening. But what we are doing is just something that's more useful. Back to that useful idea, right? So instead of I have no style, how about I love when I have amazing clothes on? Right. Instead of I have no friends. How about I love when I connect with people that care about me and I care about them instead of I'll never make money. How about I love when I make money? Right. Again, not I'm a millionaire, not some lie, but just some, you know, some aspect that's just more useful. And if I line those two lists up for you and put them next to them, one sounds like somebody who's walking in quicksand and is just completely held back by life and his thoughts and all that stuff. And the other one's like completely empowered, excited and good to go. The work that I do with people is I pattern in. First off, we craft those new choices that are really really powerfully, Uh and then we pattern them in in a way that's so deep and so real that they actually affect the subconscious, right? They actually get in, and they shift the identity. So you go from somebody who feels like I'll never have style, and you turn into the person that is like, I'm very stylish. I care about this. This is awesome, right? And that's very, very easy to do. Um, One distinction on how I work differently than probably the majority of coaches out there is most coaches are trying to do this external thing with habits and behavior over time, right? Mm -hmm. Well, number one, if you change your uh, identity, tons of other things change about you, because we wouldn't just change your style, we'd change confidence, we'd change all these other deep things that end up having a difference in how you relate with people at work, what your personal relationships are, how you may or may not parent, how you, you know, the whole game changes when you do something at an identity level, okay? The behavior, when you're trying to habituate something, if you're identity is still a self-sabotager or a procrastinator or feels like it's a loser or is always going to be poor that habit is is not going to ingrain or really change that that deep part inside right the other thing is what it takes to change when you do use a habit it it doesn't work until the subconscious actually accepts it right The, the reason that a habit does eventually work is because you've done it long enough that it's been normalized. And let's say you want to become a runner or something. You know, you do that for 30 days or 60 days or whatever it is. And eventually, if you do it long enough, your subconscious will go, well, I guess we're just a runner. So you just get up and there's no more resistance. And so an interesting idea that people need to understand is that willpower is required for the things that you don't think you are yet. Right. As soon as you accept it as you, I'm good at style, I'm good at running, I, you know, I'm a runner, whatever those things are, then there's no resistance. For an entrepreneur, it's like sales calls, right? A ton of beginning entrepreneurs yep. resist that. Once we accept it, sales calls become, it's just what I do. It's no problem. It's right. part of the game. For you know somebody in company uh, that's managing people, like maybe I'm not a manager yet or whatever, as soon as right. you take that on, it's just part of what you do. It's just not. Oh, absolutely. Make sense?
0: Totally makes sense. So one of the things that I think you've you've touched on how to do this, but it really pulled me in uh, to this dialogue that we had previously was the the concept of how long this takes. So yeah. you know I mentioned at the top of this show I've been working on this for uh, three four five years and yeah. I'll probably be working on it for the rest of my life because that's just the way I think,
1: right? So so is that useful? I just want to stop you there. Is that a useful thought?
0: Is it I'll useful? Probably, yeah, I'll will probably I be
1: working on this.
0: Um, will I be ch- First of all, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. it depends on what this is, Rob. Of if course. it's this if it's this style thing and I'm pointing over here because I got a jacket hanging on the on the wall. Yeah. Um, if it's a style thing, no, that's absolutely not useful. I changed my mind on that and now everybody says, "Yeah, he's the most stylish guy in the office." Yeah. Um, when I if I mean this meaning I will be changing and evolving as a human, for the rest of my life. Yeah. yeah, It's totally useful. Totally. Um, Totally. That's my, that's me. So help, help other folks understand how to, you know, you pulled me in when you said, I don't know why you're taking so long to do it. It doesn't take three or four or five years. It takes seconds.
1: Yeah. Well, it's immediate, right? So change whenever it does happen. Happens immediately. Now, again, this depends on what kind of change we're talking about. And this is a really important distinction for people to get. Um, if I deal with somebody who's anxious and I can work with them and it may make, it may take minutes to go through a story or may take some time. But it, the, the change is actually right in the moment. I can take them from anxious to confident in an instant. I can take them. You know, you can be you can feel like a victim and in a moment turn into hero, right, through circumstances changing or whatever, right? So what that is is our state changes immediately. And what's really interesting about our states, whether they're, you know, we have drug-induced states, we have dream states, but we mostly have in our waking life emotional states that are going on for ourselves, right? The thing about emotional states is there's no time to move them, they just move when they move, and there's really no order that they come in, they're, they're random, it depends on all kinds of stuff that's going on. When we learn how to manage our meaning making, when we learn how to figure out our lenses and 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 do this fundamental shift stuff that I'm talking about, we can to a great degree affect very much the state that we bring. So I can go from feeling anxious about a talk to switching into confident. I can no. uh, you know, go into a sales situation or deal with a boss and feel anxious and, and move to confident really quickly, Right, just to use that example. No. So so to change your state or to change your identity about something happens in in an instant. Now, the thing I can't turn you into in an instant is I can't turn you into professional concert pianist. (laughs) I I can't turn you into professional tennis player. I can't turn you into billionaire. right? Right. Those are stage evolutions. Right. They don't happen at a state level. It's not an immediate now experience change that we're trying to create there. Those all depend on growth over time and stages always come in the same order. Right. Whatever stage level uh, growth you're trying to get better at, whether that's growing in, I don't know, even in the bedroom or whatever you might want to master or become master. Right. There's always beginner, intermediate expert sure. or whatever shade you want to move those into. Most of our suffering is that we're at a certain stage in something that matters to us. Right. We want to we want to be a phenomenal tennis player. We want to go, go up the corporate chain or we want to do whatever. And we're not happy with beginner. We, we think we're supposed to get to expert immediately. So our state experience, which is like our emotional state, our happiness, our contentment, all that stuff is suffering because we haven't made it okay to be where we are, right? Yep. Now, there are certainly shortcuts to entrepreneurialism or learning management or learning, you know, MBA type stuff, right? Um, there's definitely shortcuts and there's learnings and all those things that can make beginner and intermediate shorter, and you can get the expert quicker, but there's, they always come in that order, right? right? So when we talk about change and growth, some of that is certainly going to take time. It just depends on whether it's a stage evolution thing or if it's a state change, and understanding the difference between those is really, really valuable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we got a couple minutes left. I want to ask you uh, probably some easier questions that, uh, you know, just a, a little more data oriented. So sure. What's your favorite business book? We've got folks here that uh, I can try to consume about a book a week, and I I think it's uh, a great way for people to learn so that they can change.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, for me, uh, I I run my own business, and so uh, one of the pillars that was really super important for me was uh, mastering sales, and so I think the book Spin Selling is a phenomenal thing to recommend to everybody. Uh, There's a clear distinction in there. It's almost like, are you familiar with NLP? Okay, so NLP was based on some, uh, you know, therapists and different people like that getting exceptional results Uh, for the audience.
0: It's a neuro linguistic programming.
1: Yeah. And and when that first came out, it was really, really effective. But a lot of the psychological community didn't accept it. It was too new and all that stuff. And uh, they've now accepted it to a much greater degree. and, And it's it's a really effective thing. And it's essentially done by modeling the most effective standouts in therapeutic different disciplines right whether that's psychotherapy or hypnosis or whatever um and and so spin selling actually models like the very best salespeople and says why are they different than the average and it comes up with uh with a really nice uh set of set of how to sell i think that's a great business book
0: and as i recall it's been a while since i read that but Mm. uh, you know neil rackman based that a lot on uh Research he had done at, at Canon and IBM and some of the really big name brands that do a lot of re- good research. Mm-hmm. And the book itself really breaks out into a workbook in places where you can just start scratching on the pages and, uh, and make it your own. That's a, yeah. sort of a good one. Cool. Um, uh, one piece of advice you'd give our audience, uh, one more piece of advice yeah. because I think you've given a lot of good, tangible things. Um, if, If someone's going to go immediately after listening to this, put their phone down and do something based on this conversation, what do you hope that is?
1: I hope that people would actually pick up a meditation practice of some kind, some type of mindfulness uh, uh. practice. I think that sitting for three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, growing that practice and actually yep. dealing with your mind, uh, this ability to delay gratification, this ability to, to remain your word, all these core functional things that build success in people. So uh, it builds success and happiness. I highly recommend some type of mindfulness practice for people. Awesome. Awesome. and. The
0: uh, folks out there, you go to YouTube and uh, you know search for mindfulness meditation. You'll find any, things ranging from a minute to like seventeen hours. Yeah. No, start at a minute. It's much. Yeah. Start at
1: a minute. <laughs> so there's a great app called Headspace, and there's uh, a- Headspace other Headspace is other awesome. Ones, yeah. Right? There's good. There's good training out there that's really yeah. simple and free. So go check it out. Awesome. Rob, if people want to
0: get a hold of you, what, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Yeah, if they're interested in my blog, I've got a lot of free resources there, stuff you don't even have to sign up for. There's a course that you can uh, get on. It's, it's robscott.com. And then if they're interested specifically in identity shifting, uh, I have a website over at identityshifting.com, and they can check that out. Awesome. Man, thank you so much for
0: sharing your insights and your time with us today. Jason, it's been a blast. Thanks for having me, man. Pleasure's is all mine. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hardway MBA. Look us up on Twitter at Hardway MBA. Our website's HardwayMBA.com. Facebook, LinkedIn, we've got groups everywhere. If you don't guess we should be talking to, please make an introduction. Nothing says thank you to me like referring this podcast to your friends. Drop a link to them. Let them know they should listen. Thank you so much. Hardway MBA. Our website's hardwaymba.com Facebook, LinkedIn, we've got groups everywhere If you don't guess we should be talking to, please make an introduction Nothing says thank you to me like referring this podcast to your friends Drop a link to them Let them know they should listen Thank you so much